Welcome to Sage Conversations with Shannon and Sage. This is episode two of Sage Conversations with Shannon and Sage. And today we will be talking about boundaries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Children should absolutely have boundaries and adults should absolutely respect those boundaries. Setting boundaries is not allowing others to do things you are not okay or comfortable with. So like the title of the episode is on boundaries, it also um, is about not making yourself uncomfortable to make someone else comfortable. And I'm sure that saying is very familiar to Sage. Because uh, yeah, I constantly say to her, do not make yourself uncomfortable to make someone else comfortable. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Setting boundaries is, is a life skill. And if children aren't able to learn, set, and have boundaries early on, I think it would be more challenging for them to set those things as they become teenagers and adults. We're teaching kids boundaries. We are teaching them empathy and self-awareness and and a lot of other things um, when we are teaching them how to set boundaries. I believe those early years of teaching and setting boundaries with Sage has empowered her to set boundaries as an 11-year-old. We know, or at least some of us, if we've been around children, you know they go through this stage where they're constantly saying no, no. And this starts early. And to me, I think those are early signs of children setting boundaries, obviously, whether they know it or not. And I think as adults, we have no respect for children and their boundaries. We hug and kiss them when we want hugs and kisses, not taking into consideration if that child even wants to be hugged and kissed at that time. Um, I've witnessed where um, you will have an adult that's hugging and kissing a a child and the child could be crying and pulling away and the adult is still giving that child kisses and hugs. And when this happens to me, it seems like the adult is invading the child's personal space and totally disregarding their obvious discomfort. I've recently seen a discussion around no being a complete sentence and how adults should use it and respect it. And I think this is a conversation now. People, because people are struggling with boundaries, people are struggling setting them and people are struggling when people set them with them. So I think that's interesting. And I think a lot of that has to do with people's inability to set boundaries, I believe goes back to their childhood. So we should be respecting children's early methods of setting boundaries safely. Now, boundary setting and respecting sage space is still a struggle for me. It is. It is, but I am, I try to be conscious of that and I make sure that I'm checking myself. So when I say an example of boundaries still being an issue for me with Sage is I still struggle with this as it relates to recording her and taking her pictures. Very, that's a discussion. That's a discussion. It is. It's a very, it's a very valid discussion for this episode. I feel that you do need a lot of practice with recording and stuff because you record when I can't see that you're recording. It's, I'm unable to recognize that you're recording. 
and you're taking pictures when I don't know you're taking pictures. You took a picture of me sleeping once. Yes. That's very creepy. Um, I didn't, I'm like, I look at that picture and I'm like, I was sound asleep having a nice time and she just decided to take a picture of me. That's, that's my question. That's a good question. And in part of, and this is not an excuse, or justification, a lot of times I sneak and take your picture and record you because I know if you see me, I'm you're going to be like, right, right. So that is something that I struggle with and I'm working on it. Like, like Sage is saying, I mean, there are times where she doesn't want me to take her picture. Especially while I'm sleeping or bathing. I uh, know. Well, uh, you don't take my picture, you record you don't, you don't, I... While you're bathing? Let, no, no, you you record my voice. Okay, whew, I needed you to clear that out. I don't want people thinking I'm recording you while you're bathing. That's, yeah, yeah that's not good. And I do record your voice because that is, when you're in the bathroom, is when you're typically singing. And then you used, and then one time you actually posted it on Facebook, and I didn't know till I went to school the next day, and my teacher told me, and I was like, what? And I just went with it. I was like, yeah. And then I was like, I came home and I looked at you and I was like, she has no idea what I know. <laughs> so <laughs> so we're, much power. <laughs> we're joking about this, but that is, again, that's something that I struggle with. And I, since that incident, I have not done that um, because Sage has, without her permission, has definitely been vo- very vocal Yes. <laughs> about me posting her and and it, and, I, and I'm okay with that I mean that again that's a big struggle for me because she has a beautiful voice and I like to hear her voice and I want to share that with others um, um one thing is you did one time ask me if I wanted money to sing and I was like yeah I want money to sing <laughs> I I this is I feel like this is a bad trait but well not really a mm-hmm. bad trait but like I, like, she was like, can you sing and I can post it if I give you, like, $20? I was like, yeah, I'll do it if you give me $10. Because I am a child. You know, if you have a child who loves video games, specifically the ones where you have to, like, pay for certain things, we ask for money. And then when, like, when I was younger, well, not that young, but... I had my parents convinced I didn't know that the tooth fairy wasn't real. I knew. I've known since I was like seven. (laughs) And I was like, I was just like, I just never got to telling them. And I was like, they're just getting tired of buying me certain things. They're just giving me money so I can buy my own things. And I'm like, now I'm sitting here, a child with no money. (laughs) <laughs> yeah we know you know about the two fairies so i do i have paid her if i want her to sing and i want to share it and and i'm okay with that i'm okay with asking her for permission to record her singing and a lot of times when i am recording her singing i don't necessarily want to post it i just want to record her. i just want to capture memory. that memory but also Memories can be captured without them being, you know, documented by recording. So, you know, I definitely try to respect, you know, her wishes as it relates to recording her. 
and taking her a picture. And again, like I said, I'm okay with that, but I still struggle with setting that boundary because it, for me, it's kind of like automatic. If she's doing something that I'm proud of, or if she's doing something that I think is funny, it's like immediately I'm like, oh, let me grab my phone and, you know, and it's just like. And sometimes I do want that, like the time on the zip line where I decided I was going to be the one without any brains and I was going to, I know I'm too, I'm too short to go all the way to the to the ladder and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I went all the way up there and I just, I jumped for some reason and I just went falling back. And I, oh, I was oh, like, what are you talking about? Oh, you're talking I about I went it. flying back. I was like, and it was, it wasn't snow, it was leaves, right? It was leaves. It was leaves, I think. So I went flying in the leaves. The leaves were all in my hair. I was like, man, we should have recorded this. Yes. So, again, it's still, you know, asking her permission and allowing her to be the one to decide if she wants that memory captured. And Sage, Sage is naturally funny at least to me as her mom so she does a lot of things that are really funny and I just want to capture those things but I also want to respect her boundaries that's something that I'm working on and I know that I wouldn't want anyone recording me and sharing it with with others without my permission so why can't I respect her wishes around that so I, I think these concepts are hard for people to grasp and when I say concepts, I mean about setting boundaries and children being able to say no to their parents. Um, because for a lot of people, children aren't seen as equals. And some parents have this power and control relationship with their child. And it's, they, you know, some people think it's absurd to ask their child for permission to do anything. And for me, I truly am filled with so much pride when Sage sets and enforces her boundaries with me. I think about how how this empowering behavior of her being able to set boundaries with me will show up in situations that really matters when she's older with people other than myself. I can sit here and say that I think about how I'm 45 years old and I still struggle with setting boundaries. So I want to be able to allow Sage to have boundaries and teach her those boundaries and respect those boundaries early on um is there anything you can else that you can think of as it relates to boundaries that i need to work on well well you've done a really good job like knocking on my door like sometimes i'll be sitting in my room and you'll knock on my door i'm like why is she knocking on my door she never she always is knocking on my door but before she didn't knock on my door what's happening <laughs> i don't know i'm in because if i'm in my room doing that if i'm in my room i'm probably doing nothing because <laughs> uh, I'm either drawing or reading or watching something or creating something. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm not changing. Well, sometimes I am, but my door, my door will be closed when I'm like creating or watching something or getting ideas or sleeping. You, you like that I respect your space and that because you said... I guess at some point you realize that I started knocking on your door instead of coming in your room. Um, and I think I think you just recently started closing your door. I just closed my door because I'm like, sometimes I'm watching something and I'm like, I can't hear this. This is so low. But I don't want it to be too high. I'm like, okay, just close your door, Sage. So 
like Sage is saying, she's 11 and at 11 years old, if her room door is closed, one, I'm okay with her room door being closed. And two, I knock, I knock on her door and, and I ask if I can come in. Yes. So one thing that really made me think was I was watching this YouTuber and some kids may know who she is. I'm not really going to say her name because I don't want to get sued. Um, (laughs) so, um, basically she said that her parents took the doorknob, the whole doorknob, either the doorknob or the door lock. So she couldn't lock her door, Mm. but she could still close it. But it's like, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, that's like kind of invasion because like, she also had brothers, so I can understand why she would want to lock her door. (laughs) I don't have brothers, though. I don't. If I did, I would lock my door, though. I would not trust them going through my room. Thank you very much. Okay. (laughs) So, I mean, I I think Sage should close her room. And, I mean, I don't ever recall if she locked her door. But, I I mean, I don't think I would have an issue if she locked her door. I mean, she deserves... she. First of all, it's her room and her personal space. And I believe she deserves privacy. Um, she's getting older and things are changing for her mentally, emotionally, and physically. physically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I wanted, I mean, I can think about when I was her age and maybe even a little bit older where I wanted privacy so bad when I was growing up. And I, I did not have that. I mean, I mean, the dynamics of um, Sage growing up growing up in the way she and I live right now is definitely different from how I lived. Um, I'm from New York. Um, you know, we lived in a three bedroom, typical New York apartment. I had siblings. She doesn't have siblings. We live in the middle of nowhere. Yes. We live in the middle (laughs) of nowhere. Very rural space. We live in setup is different. So I had brothers. I, I had cousins. I had a lot of people around me. So privacy really wasn't you know, afford it to me. But I also knew that I couldn't close my door. You know, that wasn't going to fly. So, um, her, that space, because I know her at her age, I wanted that. Um, and a lot of parents or adults may equate privacy, at least for children as Aquarius. And I'm not sure why, um, people, I mean, I, I can, ima- it depending on the child and maybe some history, there are reasons why parents don't want their child to have their door closed or their door locked. Um, but I also know in my experience and just my friend's experience as we talk about how we were brought up that, you know, those things were put on them without there being any reason for any of the adults around them to believe that they were doing anything that wouldn't be acceptable. So I wonder, I wonder what is so, what what do people think or how do people feel? What is so bad about a child or your child wanting privacy? And and that's a serious question for me. And we're, we're going to post it on our Facebook and our IG page. And I would love to hear your responses or you can email your response to us if you would like to remain anonymous. And I want you all to really Think about that um, and think about your experience as a child. And if you're a parent, think of, you know, how you navigate this issue with your children. And this is not for just for people who aren't okay with 
their children closing their door and um, having other boundaries as it relates to privacy. If you are that parent that also is okay with your child having boundaries, we'd like to hear from you as well. Um, so one thing I, I want to bring up is some parents might be going off of what they've experienced. Like maybe they had a sister who's always doing things, locking herself in the room, sneaking out or something. And that's what they... And when their child locks their door or closes their door, that's what they're like, oh, my God, my child is trying to sneak out mm. and this and this and that. And I need to go. And they're like, no, you can't lock your door. You can't mm. do that. And the child doesn't know what's going on because they're like, what? I'm Roblox. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they were doing. So you're saying that parents, some may, parents, some parents may exhibit some behaviors pretty much based on their experience and um and the child may not even have um awareness about that yeah okay, okay. I, fair enough because i feel like if if it were me and i had had this bad experience where um, someone in my life would lock themselves or um hide themselves in their room and go sneak out and get in trouble and I had a kid, and I'm like, man, I don't want them to be sneaking out and getting in trouble. I don't want to get them in trouble. And I'm like, child doesn't know what's going on. So you have to tell them, or mm. you have to articulate to them, like, time up in art is a sign of fear. Okay. So, so I think we discussed a little bit in episode one when we talked about children are to be seen and heard, we talked about communication. So just communicating with your child, maybe explaining to them why you may be doing something. That would be easier than just being like, no, you can't close your door. And your child's like, why? And you're like, I can't tell. I, I, and I'm glad you mentioned so. I said, because I said so. Because it's like, when you, I'm, I'm not telling you this I'm just assuming when you say, because I said so, you don't have a reason. Because hmm. I feel like when you said, because I said so, when I'm like, why, mommy? You're like, because I said so. And I'm like, huh, because I said so. Ooh. And then, but the thing is, children can't use that. If a child uses that on their parent, the child is going to. Ah, that's. Good. That's... And the child is going to be like, well, then I can say it then. I can say that. And then yeah. you, so, oh, sorry. Yeah. you have your child walking around telling their friends, because I said so. And you're like, man, how did this happen? Um, and then I articulate to your child that you didn't have a reason and you're just trying to keep them safe. Right. Mentioned something that uh, I'm not, this this parenting that I am doing with Sage, it, it, it is challenging because again, like I said, I was raised a different way. And early on, when she would do something that I didn't want her to do, I my answer would be because I said so. And I don't remember when that turn, that, you know, the dial turn for me, um, as it relates to responding to her because I said so, but the way she explained it is really how I processed it in my head. Like 
they they have. I mean, why can't I explain to her what the reason is? Um, why can't I say to her? Well, I don't want you to do that because that's not safe. Or um, you can't, you know, watch TV right now because I need you to be preparing to get ready for sleep. Whatever the actual reason is. And then a lot of times when I did not have a reason, then it made me process, well, why can't she do that? There is no reason why she cannot do that. There's nothing being challenged. So is it because I'm overwhelmed and I'm dealing with something internally that I'm then going to punish her for that and say, because I say I said so? So that's constantly going on with me as I parent Sage in general, honestly. Uh, hate with her and be mindful of the things that I'm saying, especially when it relates to setting boundaries. So, um, and this, you know, communicating with Sage, this for this particular episode about setting boundaries, allowing her to set boundaries, um, be people who will inevitably say that this type of parent allows a child to be wild, disrespectful, running the parent, and etc. And for me, like hogwash. I mean, just like Sage has boundaries and I respect them, I have boundaries that she respects. There's constant communication, teaching and reinforcement. I mean, I have to constantly repeat things to Sage. Um, constantly clean up after yourself, Sage. Put that up, Sage. You know, all those things. And although she forgets to do those things sometimes, um, you know, until she gets it right. So I, I don't have winters, of course, when she doesn't do um, the things that she knows she's supposed to do. And those consequences, some of them are natural consequences and other consequences. She, you know, we talked about that in episode one about, you know, how she and I will discuss a lot of times what her punishment should be. So for me to instill boundaries with Sage, um, you know, to our first episode, um, and if you listen to it, we briefly talked about boundaries, communicating to Sage early that if she didn't want to hug, she didn't have to. And this, this hugging and kissing of kids, it, you know, I, I think I realized that was one particular experience that I will always come back to me that made me kind of realize this, this boundary thing with adults and children. So consciously raising Sage may we realize how adults rarely, if ever, ask children for consent to do things to their body or be in their pers their personal space. And the biggest culprit of this is physical abuse. Physical abuse conveys to a child that they have no say what happens to their body. And I believe parents are their child's first teacher when it comes to boundaries and consent. Is there anything you wanted to add with that? Um, one thing I wanted to add about the hugging and kissing thing. One thing is like, sometimes I have a hard time speaking out. You wouldn't know from these, but in public, like if I'm going to like, so if I'm going to like say Starbucks and I'm going in by myself, um, not like completely by myself, but just like, just getting some food. And I'm going to have a hard time saying, like, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be like, yep, that's my order. Thank you so much. I'm going to be like, yep, that's my order. Thanks a lot. And I'm going to walk away as fast as I can because I, I mean, I'm shy. I'm a shy person. And, like, the hugging and kissing thing, it's awkward to be, like, someone 
of course, it's uncomfortable when they do it. And this might apply to everyone, even children who are outspoken. It's awkward when a parent comes in to hug you and you and you try and you're trying to say no, but like they're all they're literally so close. And it's just like, what do you do? Hmm. It's a moment of blank. For me, it's a moment of blank. That's how, that's why we don't say anything. That's why we don't say anything. Because there's a moment of just blank in our heads where we can't think of anything to say. We can't tell anyone that this is, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. You think, I think, again, we meant, we talked about this before about how, you know, ask you for hugs. Like, I don't, I don't automatically come up and hug you. Um, you do sometimes you say yes and sometimes you say no and you know it's really not that difficult to at least give anyone level respect to ask them before you actually touch them if it's okay and this this thing about um, consent and respecting space especially personal space of children i think this happens really really early on i i have an example of when sage i don't know she she may be able to accurately tell me how old she was but i think she was about three years old and um one of um one wanted to give her a hug and kiss a, a and kiss a hug and a kiss yes and he he was walking up to her and you know as he was walking up to her, she, you can tell he was going in for a hug and maybe not a kiss, um, but I think maybe so. And she clearly did not want him touching her. Clearly, clearly. My friend says something to the effect of, Sage, give, let's say, Johnny a hug. He just wants to give you a hug. And Sage, cons- and this, this all happened really quickly, but you know, as say and Sage continued to res- resist, and I had to interfere for her. I mean, at two or three, and say, "No, she doesn't want to hug or kiss Johnny." Um, and I had to go up and kind of separate, you know, him from her, and um, kind of use the situation. And well, he just, you know, Johnny just wants to give her a hug. She, you know, he he just wants a hug and a kiss. I think she said kiss. She wants a hug and kiss, and I was just like. No. And what about what Sage wants? And I, I see that a lot, especially with um, male, female, child dynamics where you have um, it, who will go up and try to hug the other kid. And that other kid is like resistant. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. They just want to hug. And I'm just like, but this child clearly does not want to hug in that moment. So as adults, you know, when we see kids having these type of exchanges, you know, communicating to the child who doesn't want to receive the hug um, and kiss saying that it's okay. It's okay that you don't want someone touching you. And then also communicating to that other child is that maybe Johnny, hey, maybe you should ask Sage if she wants a hug. Um, and I there are like early examples about how we don't even um, teach or we don't even think about consent when we're thinking about children as it relates to us coming in their space and even other in their space. So... Um, one thing I have to say about this interaction, one, I remember nothing. <laughs> I remember nothing. And but, uh, that's just, like, the fact that the parent, like, you can't force your child upon another child. Like, if I, 
if say if it was the other way around, if Johnny was just like, <laughs> I'm sorry, Johnny, Johnny, when I was coming up to Johnny like wanting to give him a hug, and Johnny was like, no, I don't want to give you a hug, I don't want, and I was just like, <laughs> just looming over him like, um, you like, her, I don't know her name, but her as a parent. Mm-hmm. She would be like, no, Sage, no, Johnny doesn't want to hug. Johnny doesn't want to hug. Because she, she could see how uncomfortable Johnny was. And I don't... And it's it's a problem that... Because I know she would have seen it in her own child. But the problem is, she didn't see it in another child. And that's like... If you even see it in me, that I didn't want to give him a hug. She might have been like, oh, she probably is taking it the wrong way or something. She probably doesn't be nice. And and some people might internalize it as, oh, Sage is being mean. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to hug Johnny. Sage is being mean. And Sage is like, no, Sage is being... <laughs> Sage is setting boundaries. Sage is setting boundaries. And it goes back to me always telling you, you know... Never make yourself uncomfortable to make other people comfortable. And in this situation, clearly this parent see that her child wanted that hug. And at the point where it was like, no, he became uncomfortable and she wanted to then make you uncomfortable so he can be comfortable. And cool. When feel uncomfortable, just to make other people comfortable. Like, like say, don't make. Say, I was at a party, right? And I was like, um, was feeling uncomfortable because she wanted to talk to someone, but they didn't want to talk to her because they were shy. And then I pushed them into each other, kind of like forced them oh, to talk. The other person would be really uncomfortable and like, in awkward just and this had just this happened just to make my friend comfortable and you don't even know if i'm comfortable i might be sitting with water on my socks like i am so uncomfortable right now so i'm not even i'm not even (laughs) water on your socks yes that's uncomfortable it is uncomfortable wet socks are so uncomfortable you're right i'm not even i think another way that parents and caregivers can kind of set boundaries and teach children boundaries. And I, I believe I did this with you was force sharing. I, and, and again, you can remind me if I did, I don't think I've forced Sage to share with kids. I think that's something that, you know, adults do. Um, there have definitely been situations where Sage playing with something and another kid came up and was like, oh, I want to play with that. And, you know, and I would say, you know, well, when she's finished, you know, you can play with it, especially if it wasn't something that was hers. I can think about what prior to uh, COVID, we used to go to the National Book Festival oh. um, that is held in um, D.C. every year. And they would have this play area where the kids would sit and play like a Lego area. And mm-hmm. I do recall there was an incident where a child came up and wanted to play with the Legos that Sage was playing with. And it's like, I could see in her face, like, I'm playing 
with this right now? And it's just like, I'm looking around looking for this kid's parent. And I'm just like, so I have to, you know, say, well, she's playing with them now, but you know, you want to wait till she's finished and all their other Legos right here. So, and especially with her own toys, I would ask her, I would say, Sage, are you finished done playing? You finished playing with that? And if she said, no, I would tell the other child, well, she's not done playing with them. And when she's finished, you know, we can ask her if it's okay for you to play with her toys. I mean, that was very important to me. And I don't, I, someone else told me about that. Someone else brought that to my attention about how as adults and as parents that we force kids to share, especially if the child has siblings and Sage doesn't have siblings. So the sibling sharing wasn't necessarily a thing. But I mean, I think even if she had a sibling, I don't think I would have forced her or her sibling to share their toys with each other. What I would have said was, you know, ask, like I said, Sage or imaginary sibling, um, (laughs) are you done playing with that? Or when you're finished playing with that, can you let your brother or your sister play with that toy? So I think that's another way that as adults, we can, one of the early examples of setting boundaries with kids, because, you know, no matter how young children are, they are processing the environment around them. And when these things are reinforced, even when they're younger and they don't necessarily know what's going on, but if they're constantly reinforced, eventually it it, it all comes together. Um, I have something to say about the sharing. I've never been good at sharing. <laughs> I've never been good at sharing my stuff. Like, one thing is, like, I don't know why, but, like, since I'm an only child, Mm -hmm. I'm not really, I'm not accumulated to, like, being around people Mm -hmm. or, like... Accustomed to being around people? Accustomed. Yeah. Yeah. The first... My iPad. My iPad is something I'm really bad at sharing. Like, there's this one incident where I was in the car and I was playing on my iPad it wasn't in, in it was in my friend's mom's car. So I was playing on my iPad and my friend was like, Can I play? And I was like, No, no, you can't And they were like, Why not? And I was like, I'm playing on it right now and I was like, Okay, you can play in a little while. I did not intend on letting them play. I don't know why I said that. It was just like to get them to stop asking because I knew they weren't gonna stop. But and then like Ten minutes, five minutes later, they're like, can I play, please? You said I could play after you, and you you said I could play, and that's all I heard in my ear was, you said I could play, you said I could play, let me play, let me play. Stop talking in my ear. Here you go. And then I was like, okay, she's only going to do, I don't know, a little bit of the game, and then she's going to give it back. And then my other friend was like, can I play after? And I was about to be like, no. No. And then my uh, the friend who had the tablet was like, yeah, yes, you can play. And I was like, okay, okay. And this just goes to show that I'm bad at, I'm bad at sharing, but I'm also bad at saying no. Sometimes I'm actually, sometimes I can say no when I'm like, sometimes I can physically say no. But the thing is, they don't listen to me when I say no. Okay, but let's not necessarily use the word bad. So I'm not it's something bad. It's I something I need I to work on. It's something you need to work on because, like you said, in some situations you can, and in other situations you cannot. And not wanting to share your iPad or any other item that is yours is not 
a bad thing either. And um, it's okay not to want people to, you know, use your things or share your things. And it's something, again, that has to be constantly reinforced because obviously you're saying in some situations I can set those boundaries, but then there are other situations where it's, you know, a challenge for me. And um, that's why it's something that has to be constantly reinforced. As Sage said, in some incidents, she is able to set boundaries and some she's not. And I think for children, these things come naturally. I mean, like I said, when we go back to where we were initially talking about how you have this stage where kids are constantly saying no, it's the toddler stage. I think it starts like at two and they're like, no, everything is no, 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 no. And that's their natural way of setting boundaries. And um, I think Sage early on was very... Um, confident in setting her boundaries without even her even realizing and without even me realizing I mean I didn't the earring incident I love to tell the earring oh. incident where I mean just like me I mean I don't I, I'm I'm sure as soon as I was born I got my ears pierced it's just what happened in my family and I think for a long time one of my aunts was piercing out ears but I think I got my ears pierced at my doctor's office but I know in my family there was this you know kind of tradition where the kids got their ears pierced my aunt used to use like a needle and a thread and she would put it through the baby's ear and then tie the thread until you know the ear something that happens with girls at least in my family where you get your ears pierced mm -hmm. so uh, I did that with Sage and I don't know, maybe when she was three years old. Did you do the needle thing? No, no, I oh, did not do goodness. the needle thing to you. You had yours done in the doctor's office. So, uh, it does happen. People do pierce their kids. I don't know if it's still something that happens, but it definitely did when I was younger. I've seen my cousins get their ears pierced that way. And, um, not sure how I got my ears pierced, but I think I went to the doctor, but, um, <laughs> I think Sage was like three years old and she, yes, Sage. Can I tell a story, please? You want to tell a story? Yes, I do. Okay, P please tell a story and don't go around and around and okay. around. So basically, I was four or five. I think it was earlier than that, but okay. So I was just, I don't know, it was in my closet and I'm, you were helping me get dressed or something. And I was like, Mommy, why do I wear earrings? And I don't remember what you exactly said, but it was something like, I, I really don't know, Sage. And I was like, do I have to wear earrings? And you were like, no, no. And I don't know where Daddy was, but he did come up in the story at some point, making a joke, as always. But, yeah, and, you, and I was like, can I get my earrings taken out? And you were like, because mm -hmm. it, it was like you were thinking like what do I do in this situation because like well I wasn't thinking what I'll do in this situation I'm just like well you're a girl you supposed to have <laughs> earrings which of course that's my own stuff so I was just like mm. and I think I may have said no I think I may did I say no mm, no. no so what happened was you were like you just looked at me and you were like well, do you do you really want earrings? And I was like, eh, I really, I really don't know if I want them because I kind, I kind of wanna, I kind of wanna look different. I said it exactly. Mm. I was like, I kind of wanna look different. I feel like I said something about being a boy. 
because I don't it, think you said anything. no, but it did come up at some. Point. Yes, it did come up, and, and and it did. No, I remember. So you were like, Sage, do you want to be a boy? No, no. Let no, me let me no. tell a story. No, that's not <laughs> what happened. Again, so she part, that a lot of the story is true. Um, she was. I forgot about her getting ready, whatever, but she did say she didn't want to wear earrings. And I'm thinking to myself, well, why doesn't she want earrings? And I was like, are you sure you don't want to wear earrings anymore, Sage? Because she was very adamant. And she was like, I don't want to wear earrings. I don't want to wear earrings. And, and me just being me, my crazy self, I'm like, well, why don't you want to wear earrings? Are you, do you feel like a boy inside? Oh, yes. <laughs> you did say that. And You're I, like a boy, I, you know, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And, and then I was like, and in you my were, mind, I was like. What is this woman talking about? <laughs> right. Did you just say, and I was like, do I? And I'm like, well, I kind of don't. I mean. Yeah. You were like, no, I'm a girl. And I was just like, oh, okay. Well, and. <laughs> And had she said she felt like a boy, it wouldn't have mattered either way. That was my stuff where I was just like, why she doesn't want to, you know, to me, it's like, you're a girl. Why wouldn't you want to wear earrings? Wear earrings and boys, so. yes. And, but it doesn't even matter. It's something that she did not want to do. And I shouldn't have been kind of projecting my stuff on her, um, which we do as parents. And I mean, I don't think it necessarily is a bad thing depending on what we're projecting, but it's just like, you know, it, she doesn't want to wear the earrings. And I do remember, I don't think that day I took them out. I think I was kind of like, eh, okay, we'll talk about it. Because I used to do that a lot when no. she was young. I, we'll talk about it. He said, you said something about daddy because he did come up. You were like, we need to talk, I need to yeah. talk to your daddy. Then he made a joke. And, I, and th- three, five, four-year-old me was like, this man is always making, when does he not make jokes? Right. When so. <laughs> So it it wasn't immediate, but I she was adamant about it, and I was like I I was like okay, I mean it's not that big of a deal, and ever since then she has not put a pair of earrings back in her ear. So try to though, I you have, snuck up on me. I try. You I was like uh, I was like you sure? I'm still like you sure you don't want to wear earrings? But it's I, it for like, me. It's more of a I don't know if it's more joking, but it's just like. I mean, I haven't seen her in earrings in so long, but I think for me, when I think about that situation all the time, for me, that is like an early part of her kind of setting boundaries and, you know, having autonomy, you know, just like, I don't, I don't even, this is, this doesn't work for me, you know, and this is not what I want. So, um, I, I, I like telling that story and, and when we, we, I mentioned bringing up autonomy, we we can talk about this a little bit, but I think I would love, I think it'd be a good idea, Sage, for us to do a full episode on this. But body autonomy, you know, is something that's very important and something that, you know, I'm very conscious of and I'm always I'm allowing her to have autonomy over her space and her body. And I think that starts early on. I know one of the ways that we did that for Sage is making sure she knew the proper name of her body parts, you uh, know? I remember we had this one talk where, I don't really want to bring it up, but I was missaying a body part of yes. mine while we were, like, getting out of the tub. I was three. And I don't know, I had heard it, like, from you, mm-hmm. talking to your friends, and I had heard it. And I, and I said it, I was like, yeah, something, something that I'm not going to bring up. And 
And you were like, no, we don't call it that, Sage. Mm. We call it what it's actually called. Yes. And then it came up again in our old house. We have so many old houses that doesn't even apply. But it came it came up again and you were like, Sage, you know that we you should you shouldn't be calling it that. You should call it the the correct you can term. Say the correct term I'm over there. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I'll say it. Vagina. She has known <laughs> From early on, her vagina was her vagina. And that, to me, was very important because when I was younger, it was a donut. It was a pocketbook. It was a cookie. It was all those things. <laughs> and it's just like, no, it's a vagina. And I remember um, her being about two or three years old and her dad being responsible for giving her a bath. And he walked out the bathroom one time and she's like, Daddy, you forgot to clean my booty and my vagina. So at that point... <laughs> I knew, you know, she will be, she's able to identify her body parts appropriately. And, you know, that is, I think that that sets the foundation and we've had experiences already where we have these open conversations about her body and what happens during puberty and all that. And I think that that has, that early interaction that we had has made her feel, feel comfortable with her body. And if not comfortable with her body, at least being comfortable with me as we, um, being comfortable discussing those things with me. Um, the last thing I want to say before we end this, uh, one thing I want to bring up about autonomy is like trusting people with what, cause I remember when I was younger, I was, it was six, so it was really close to when we moved out. Mm -hmm. But um, it was when I had discovered kids pop. Like, because I was just in the bath, and my dad was like, let's listen to music. And I was like, okay. He had put on kids pop without me knowing. And I was like, wow, this sounds different. Because I had heard the original songs. And... I was like, this sounds different. He was like, it's Kids Bop. And I was like, yeah. But the thing I wanted to bring up is I was in the bath at that time. And um, um, the door was open. And I trusted my dad enough to let him sit in the hallway with me. Well, yeah, kind of in the hallway while I took a bath because mm -hmm. I trusted him. So, you know, autonomy is being synonymous with trusting people or at least being a part of that process of autonomy. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if your child, like, sometimes your child won't trust you because, I mean, that's something, like, now I close my door when I get in the tub, the shower, But is, are you closing your door, getting the shower because you don't trust your dad or you just want your privacy? I want my privacy, okay. but... You know, sometimes you don't know if your child is doesn't trust you, but sometimes you just gotta, you have to present yourself in a way that they can trust you. Okay, yeah, fair enough. So, so I think regardless of what topic we discuss, uh, to me, it just all boils down to that parenting is not easy, but it doesn't have to be difficult, you know. Again, children should thrive in childhood, not survive their childhood. Children deserve to be seen. They deserve to be heard. They deserve to be loved. And they deserve to be free from abuse. 
And it's very important when, as an adult, as a parent, when you give yourself grace and you heal, you know, your trauma and your inner child. And this is from my personal experience that parenting and relationships in general become less complicated. So trust and believe that this can be done. You can, if you, in your experience that you were parented a different way, that give yourself grace as you go through this process, work on yourself, heal yourself, parenting your child so they don't have to, you know, heal from their childhood will become that much easier. So thank you for tuning in for our boundary episode. Thank you. And we hope you all are safe and we will be back here in another two weeks. Two weeks. Bye. Really? really? <laughs>